How we doing? How we doing? It is another episode of Mindset Matters. I am here with my friend, colleague, realtor extraordinaire, Dave Williams, Homes with Dave at Keller Williams in Denver. Dave, thanks for joining me, brother. Hey, thanks so much for having me on. I super appreciate it. Heck yeah. We're going to bounce. It, it's it, You're going to hear some Dave, David. It's going to go back and forth. Uh, that's just a force of habit. So, Dave, I like to put people on the spot right away. So, toughest question of the day. Dave Williams, describe yourself as a kid. What kind of kiddo were you? Oh, man. As a kid, I was a sport fanatic. I watched Sports Center, you know, three times through every morning, same episode. Yeah. I, How old are you? I'm 38. Yep. Okay. Yep. So, I was right like... Now. 90s grew up love i grew up in arizona big phoenix suns fan um i grew up a philadelphia eagles fan randomly enough so every sport i was into it play outside all day then i like grew up in that sweet zone where we could like play video games but we weren't on a tablet our whole life yep. so i come in video games outside all day sports were life um riding bikes and you said you grew up in phoenix or a different part of arizona in a different part of arizona in a more rural part kingman arizona kingman okay yeah I grew up as a suns fan yeah Old enough to, so you, you the Barkley Jordan yeah. finals, was that like the childhood heartbreaker? That was the childhood heartbreaker. I was, I'm a Broncos fan, so I can understand like, being like in elementary school and being devastated. Yep. I remember one time we were in church and uh, the, the pastor was talking. He's like, they, it was during the finals and the sons had just lost a heartbreaker. And he talked about the game for a minute and then he goes, okay, and then let's, let's move on. And I, I just like blurt out, no. <laughs> Snuggled with my mom. Like, oh, I embarrassed yeah. myself so much. But devastating like, as a child. Devastating. Yeah. And then that's been devastating throughout, man. We always get so close and not won a championship. Someday. Though. Yeah. Someday. Nuggets fans thought the same thing. So it'll, it'll occur. It'll come. Yeah. It'll come. So you enjoyed getting outside. What was uh, kind of what were some of your go-to hobbies oh, yeah. as a kid? Basketball on the street. Riding yeah. bikes, um, a lot of BMX bike riding, uh, where I'd spend more time building jumps that I never would jump. <laughs> but <laughs> so a lot of times, you know, we lived this desert, man. We were outside all the time, you know, just building forts, building bike tracks, playing basketball. Great, great neighborhood with a bunch of other kids around the same age. So kick the can, hide and seek, and street football, you name it, just outside. How did we ruin childhood? Outside. That's how childhood is supposed to it be. It was so fun, man. There's times I, I talk to, to people and, and they, they, it just goes right over the head. I interviewed someone who grew up in, in my neighborhood. There's all these gullies behind the schools mm-hmm. and he started talking about those. And I was like, fantastic. Oh, you know? yeah. So when you think about yourself getting into middle school, high school, uh, was, was school your thing or just kind yeah. of something that school is my thing. I always kind of excelled in school. Um, through through junior high and not so I was the sports and studies um found myself to be a good test taker which always helps getting through school um fair yeah that was an important thing and then i'm super extroverted so you know social life was everything as well okay so when you think about those years for you was there a some people kind of figure it out as they go was there a, a career you aspire to is there like a vision that you thought you had for yourself at that time yeah, absolutely. By the end of high school, um, I was really interested in sciences um, and human body and sports and like that. And I, by, at that point, too, I realized my dream of becoming a professional athlete was gone. 
second dream of becoming a sports center anchor was also gone. And so I was like, we had very similar goals. (laughs) Yeah. Very. They kind of came in that order. I was like, Oh, I'm not going to make it as an athlete. (laughs) But, um, and and then I was like, man, the best thing then would be to talk about sports all the time. And and I realized there's like, you know, six people that do that at the level that, yeah, Um, it it took me getting to college for broadcast journalism to realize that. Oh, you went all the way. Everybody, everybody wanted I have, I have to ask a random question before I forget this. What's your favorite sports center? Like a Stuart Scott saying, or like, what's your, what's your go-to sports center saying? Good question. Oh man. I mean, Stuart Scott was the King, especially growing up. Um, doesn't have to be by him. I mean, just, is there a, is there a sports center saying or something that you just find yourself using in, in common? No, I would, no, I don't. That's funny. That's a great question. I don't think I have anything that jumped off. I mean, I always still refer back like to the old commercials. Like I love the one where the, oh yeah, the duck or no, the devil, the New Jersey devil. And they're, they get, go to get on the, the elevator. Doors open. And yeah. And they're like Wait going the next up one? and he's all, nope. Yeah. <laughs> and then yep. this way. Yeah. I was like David Ortiz throwing on a Yankees hat. Yeah. Red Sox mascot. He's like, it's not what you think. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. I, I digress. It's yeah. Just, it's, it's rare that I, that I talk to somebody who has that, that sports center connection. So I'm sorry. You, you knew you weren't going to get into broadcast, right. but it was time to. Yep. But I, but I loved sports still. I loved athletes. I loved science. And so it was like, okay, really becoming a physician didn't seem like the path that I wanted to go on just from the amount of education to go into it. So um, physical therapy became my goal to become a physical therapist. So going into undergrad, um, that was a goal. So it was, it's kind of like a pre-medical sports science exercise physiology background. So went in dedicated to that. Um, where did you go to school? That was at Northern Arizona university. So okay. in Flagstaff. All right. And how far was that from where you grew up? Like two hours from home. Okay. So, so far close, enough to where you're enough. Yeah. Yep. And talk to me about, uh, I, I did forget to ask you, uh, siblings. Yeah. I've yeah. got an older brother and then a younger sister. So I'm a middle child. How close in age are you? Uh, my older brother is seven years older and my younger sister is three years younger. Okay. So older brother was part of the time there. Um, and uh, you know, we kind of lived two different lives. He was enough older. So he's in yeah. high school and I'm still in elementary school. Um, and then my sister and I were both close. Very cool. Have you gotten the, the three of you grown closer as you get older? Yeah, totally. Especially with my sister. Cause you know, we were at the sibling fighting age and so, yeah. and so then now, yeah. So she lives here in Denver as well. Um, and yeah, as adults, we don't fight anymore and we have great relationships. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. And same with the brother. Heck yeah. So you head up to, to Flagstaff yep. going to school there. Talked to me through that experience. Um, yeah, it was great, man. It was it, a lot of the same, like same friend group kind of went, we all kind of went to Flagstaff together. Um, through that I became, then I gave focus. Okay. Physical therapy is what I want to do. That's a grad school program after the undergrad bachelor's. So Good. really knowing that education was important and that I needed to hit these markers in order to go to the next you know school that I'd want to go to. Uh, but other than that, then, I mean, college was fun. Uh, then Flagstaff's got skiing and snowboarding. So got into that at that time. Uh, and, um, it was in the mountains. So lots of outdoor activities and hiking and biking and running and super active community there in Flagstaff. And so I was in school, I was out with friends or doing some kind of outside activity there too. Nice. Did you, as you're going through grad school is kind of talk to me about the, the career course for someone that as you're getting out of grad school, did you, is that something where you can kind of plan to stay in state or are you kind of already looking moving? So the, at NAU at Northern Arizona university, there was a PT program, but at this point I'm like, okay, I've grew up in one town. 
I went to school two hours away. So I was ready to go and see what else was out there. Okay. Um, and so then again, my sports background. So I'm like, okay, when it came to choose a school, I want to choose a really good school. But the opportunity came up about Duke University. And um, I had a physical therapy mentor who had a professor that was there. So it just kind of was a natural tie. And then I was like, oh, now I get the opportunity to go to like a real sports school. And so you went to grad school at Duke. I went to grad school at Duke. We got a, we got a dummy here, folks. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. So that was, and that was awesome. Like it was, um, super grueling. Like once you get into that PT school, that's like a lockstep program. Like I believe it. you're going straight through three years, um, get a doctorate from Duke in physical therapy, go to every single game in Cameron indoor that I could and, you know, be super fan for life. Hell yeah. Yeah. It's probably not the time to tell you that Christian Lindner broke my hardest job, but that's all right. That's all right. We'll circle back. Any other people. So that's <laughs> devastating. Uh, so talk me through that. You're, you go from, like you said, you've, you've been you know, two hours from home at max and now you are on the other side of the country and a new town. I'm, I've, I've only seen the campus. I've only been there there once, but I mean, you're in this element. Yeah. What was, what was that? Like your first month or two there? What was that like? Yeah, it's great. Like in PT school, you kind of come in with a cohort. So there was like 70 of us and we're all in it together. And you, you know, everyone's nervous to start this really intense program. And so it's a great bonding time for a class. And so in PT school too, it's, it's heavily weighted. I think there was like 63 female and seven guys. And so we came a super tight guy group. Is this is why you picked the program. Dave? You did, you I, and I did meet my wife at PT <laughs> and, school. So oh, yeah. okay. okay. And I have to, I mean, I'd imagine that's also extremely competitive to yeah. get that spot. Yep. Yep. Very competitive. Um, application process, common interview process, you know, GPA, extracurriculars, hours of volunteering to show, you know, that you know what physical therapy is and you're still interested in being a physical therapist. Okay. So, yeah, it was great, man. I, I wouldn't trade that experience. I mean, it cost me a tremendous amount of money, um, okay. but just an unbelievable experience for sure. I believe it. So you're there for three years yep. consecutively. Yeah. And near the end, then you go out and start doing clinical rotations. And so uh, I did a clinical rotation in Pittsburgh. I did a clinical rotation uh, in Durham, one in the mountains of North Carolina. So kind of get out of Durham a little bit, um, but Durham still kind of stays the home base. I gotcha. So like, as you go to Pittsburgh, as an example, how long are you there for roughly? Uh, we had five month rotation. Okay. So I was there for a while. Yeah. Okay. So you work five months here, come back five months here. Yeah. Okay. And you mentioned that you met your wife in this program. Yeah. So okay. long story short, I was in the program. I, um, I had, it was in my going into my third year. I had just finished rotation. I was going home. Um, and I was going to Scottsdale, visit friends. I'm on vacation and just finished a grueling, you know, set of classes. And, uh, we went out partying, came back. I dove in a swimming pool at my buddy's condo where I broke my neck. Uh, yeah. Oh, I got okay. turns for you, Jimmy. We're going to talk about some <laughs> physical therapy coming up. Yeah. Broke so your neck diving into your buddy's pool. I did. Yeah. Uh, my great buddy Carson, um, he was a former lifeguard, pulled me out of the pool. Come to find out, it was, I was extremely fortunate. So I broke C5 in my neck. Um, did you hit bottom or did yeah, you? Yeah, my head hit the bottom. And oh, wow. Okay. Um, 
fortunate that the fracture didn't splay into the cord, but it bruised the cord. So temporary paralysis on my left side. Um, I didn't have to have surgery, but I had to go into halo for 90 days, had to move back to my parents, had to be cared for. Um, fortunately within a couple of days I was able to walk, um, and then did rehab on my left arm. Um, but all along knowing that there wasn't going to be permanent paralysis. How long did you not have feeling on your left side? Um, the Roughly. leg came back a couple days and then the upper arm probably six months to get like eh, maybe a little bit less than that to kind of be like where I could lift a cup and drink out of it or I could to do things with my left hand. Like I, I could move my arm, but like fine motor skills. And, and, and so I have to ask, I don't bring up that. I was about to say, Doug, we're going to use a different term. Do you have much memory of being pulled out of the pool no, I remember like we came home. I remember like going to dive in. And then the next thing was like the flashlights in my eyes from paramedics. And I'm like, oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. And they're like, no, no you're, not. you're not. Don't move. And then, you know, next thing I'm in the hospital and I'm taped to the board and got to wait to make the decision on surgery or a halo and do all the imaging. Scared the crap out of my parents. I'm certainly disappointed in them. <laughs> um, but, uh, then yeah, they, they were great. Like they just took me right in cared for me. I stayed with an aunt and uncle in Phoenix so I could get more intense uh, rehab there and then came back to Kingman where they lived. And during that time, um, my relationship with the physical therapist that I did my, um, like my mentoring before I went to PT school was there and they were great. They brought me in, let me come and use the gym whenever I wanted. Uh, and you know, just embraced me fully. It was, it was a, it was a good you, experience. You subconsciously wanted first-hand experience of the work you were going to be doing. I learned a whole nother level of empathy as a physical therapist. I don't want to sound like an idiot when I ask this question, but I might uh, knowing, you know, as you're, as you're hearing what's occurring, you mentioned that you knew that you knew or had a, a lot of confidence that it was going to be a, a temporary thing, but mm. you're still dealing with it. Totally. Talk to me about the fear factor of knowing it's, I, I, I don't know, knowing it's going to be okay, but it's not okay yet. Yeah. Uh, Fortunately, like just having the medical background and then like, and having those conversations and having an understanding what the injury was, I, I kind of always had that confidence that it was going to get better. You know, and they're like, oh, you're going to be in a halo for 90 days. And like that at that moment seemed like a super short period of time. In reality, okay. that was a really long period of time. I bet. Um, you know, had to, I couldn't sleep flat on a bed, had to sleep in a couch had to go in, get things tightened. Um, you know, it's like a, there's a big chest piece that's on there. It's summer in Arizona. And so it was like, you can't go out and get sweaty. So you like had to limit activities, um, you know, couldn't drive, you know, living at my parents' house again. My like, mom had to like help wash my head under the sink. Right. Um, so definitely this loss of independence, but always knowing that it was going to improve and that, that full recovery was going to be there. Okay. So as you're, coming out of this period of time and recovering. And I'm, and I'm assuming even after those 90 days, there's still more, plenty of work to be done. Yep. Um, what are your first steps in, in life and, and moving on as you get out of, and I can't imagine how good it feels to, or bad. I don't, is it extremely <laughs> it painful is, to come out of the halo? It's like your head is like on a pinpoint, like a noodle, like you, you, you're like a you baby. Can hold your, yeah, you can hold your head up, but it really feels like if it tips like an inch to one side, that it's going to roll off your shoulders. Okay, um, that makes perfect. That's sense. a short period of time of feeling that, and then from there, though, like all your neck, all you know, your shoulders, everything is all so weakened because it's been supported by a halo. So 
a lot of headache, a lot of neck pain. So then, yeah. So at that point I'd been really rehabbing the left arm and then now the rehabs, you know, shifts to starting to strengthen neck, head, shoulders, back posture, you know, starting to work on all of that. Um, do you, so you've met, you might not be with, but you've met your now wife. Yeah. We'd come, we'd come or pass across. So she was in the class below. Um, okay. so we weren't in the same cohort, but you know, we, we knew who each other were, but not, in any way wouldn't hung out or anything. Okay. Okay. I just didn't know if she had, so she is meeting you after all of this occurs. I was kind of a big deal in the PT program. Cause you know, there's, there's a total of like 180 people and I'm the one who's like, you know, had this severe injury. Yeah, I gotcha. The PT school. They were so great to me. They let me walk with my class. Like I had, they, they rescheduled for me to come back and complete the coursework um, that had been missed and they like, cool. made all these amends for me to be able to continue with the program. Um, I was able to walk with my class. Um, people That's took awesome. such great care of me during that time. Like it was, it was, that was huge to see. Like, like okay. just feel love during that time was great. I believe it. Yeah, I believe it. So as you're finishing then grad school, what are the first steps after that? Well, so when I come back from, I come back from injury and then this is how I meet my wife. Um, so okay. we have a mutual friend, um, I'm that I had went to Duke final four with her. Um, she, my wife is a Carolina fan, like huge Carolina fan Okay, at Duke PT school. She's getting some interest. Fan. Yeah. Here. So she gets tickets to Duke Carolina at Carolina and she goes to invite our mutual friend, but so happens to be in New York at the time. She can't go. She's like, you should invite David. But I'm like, I'm the guy at the Duke game. Like I'm jumping up and down, you know? And she's like, I don't want to bring this guy. Like she'd gotten tickets through a basketball coach or something or a football coach, something like that. That So like, this is going to be with families and recruits for the football program. Like I can't bring yeah, Carolina. Yeah. I can't yep. bring this, you know, guy <laughs> jumping around and like, you know, yelling obscenities for the wrong team for the wrong team. Yep. I'm like, well, no, I'm going to behave. Got a haircut, got a polo shirt. Cause at Carolina, they all dress up all fancy for their sporting oh, events. Oh, fancy folks. So, um, so I get, I get the opportunity to go with her and we hit it off. And then from then, like, that's how we met. Um, we had a great, we had a great time at the game. We hung out after had so much fun. Were you able to behave at the game? I was, I was well behaved and dude Who lost won? that game. Okay. <laughs> so that, okay. that helped, helped, helped keep, keep yeah. me calm. Yeah. yeah totally. Yeah. They, they took a loss for the team. They did. Yeah. But okay. for my, they helped my marriage. And they, I feel that. Um, so you, you hang out that night and did you say was her family there as, as well? No, not her Okay. Family. But it was a, there were, I, I see, I see what you're saying. So you, you hit it off that night and yeah. And then we're like, Oh, we're not, we just hung out, you know, we were friends and the, cause I was, you know, I was leaving. Um, it was like probably like six months after that. Like I'd finished my coursework at that time. I decided I was going to be a travel physical therapist so I'm going to go and move every three to six months and try to live different places in the country. And, um, you know, that was my plan. She had her plan. We're not, we just met. We're not changing our plans for each other. Sure. Right? Like we're what was very her plan? strong headed forward people. Uh, I think she was a little bit interested in travel at the time. Um, she was doing some pediatric rotations so, and like she's starting to kind of specialize a little bit. So she had some ideas, but I don't, I don't think, whatever her plan was, wasn't to follow me wherever I was going to go. That's right. I got you. Um, I got you. So come find out, graduate. I go away for a bit and we just stay in touch, stay in touch, stay in touch. And, um, I, I get a contract in California. I'm out there for a while. She graduates and we're like, okay, well, clearly we've been apart, but we, 
can't not talk to each other every single day. And so she came to California, got a travel contract. Um, and then we became travel PTs for the next couple of years, moved all around the country. Um, okay. So you would just great. find contracts that you could go do together. Yeah. Short-term contracts. And we just try to pick cities that we wanted to live in. So we yeah. would, you know, we were in the Bay area, we were in Seattle. And so on those, you don't necessarily need to be at the same facility or same office. You're just trying to find something in the same city. Yeah. Just trying to be in the same city. Yep. Okay. And and like probably 50% of the time we were at the same facility. That's a very unique experience for a couple to have. Is there, so you did that for a couple of years? You said Yeah, we did that for two years. It was awesome because it was just us, you know, we were just like anywhere we lived was a new city. Like maybe we knew a couple people there, but we had no other responsibilities other than our job. And then just to like start, you know, living life and exploring cities together and traveling together. It was a, it was a great experience. Absolutely. So where you said, you said Seattle, San Francisco, where, um, yeah. Where were some of the other central Valley of California for six months, um, Phoenix for a couple of months. And then we wrapped it up by moving to South Carolina with that. We got engaged during that time okay. and then we were getting, she's from South Carolina. So we were going to South Carolina to get married. So we took our final travel contracts there, um, got married and then we're like, okay, time to be adults a little bit and traveling around is a hell of a run. But uh, then we, so we, then we came to Denver at that time. Okay. How did it ask the first question, what was your favorite of the stops that you made during that time? Was there one where you were like, man, this is might not live here, but Seattle. Okay. Seattle was so fun. We lived there in the summertime. It's sunny. It's not rainy in the summertime. It's light until 10 PM. Great city, mountains, water, great food. Uh, and then the fall hit and it starts raining and it's gray every day. And I'm like, Oh, I'm from the desert. Like this isn't going to work. And yeah. so then we're starting to think, okay, what's going to kind of be that same type of city, but with sunshine and like Denver was the clear choice. No water here, but other than that, the same type of activities. Had you spent any time in Denver before moving out? Just a couple of visits. Yeah. Okay. Not very much time at all. And so as you're having that conversation together in, in South Carolina after your wedding, she I mean, was there, was there one of you that was kind of pushing Denver where you both like, yeah, let's, yeah, let's I was, try Denver. I was full on Denver and she was like, yeah, Denver sounds great. But, um, if the winters are cold, then I'll, I'll try it. We got to talk through it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I feel that. Yeah. Okay. So you two make the, make the move South. Well, you're not living in South Carolina. I should say, well, you were, you yeah, were. We sorry. Were. That was yep. your last place. Come to Denver. Talk to me about getting set up in Denver and your first experiences here. Yeah, it was great. We, we had friends that lived here. So they're like, okay, this is the parts of town to live in. And so we, we lived um, off Tennyson street, like West Highlands, Berkeley area and, you know, great walkable neighborhood. Weather is great. She learns to ski. Um, so like winter activities are awesome. Winters are mild. You know, they're not nearly as bad as a lot of people think from the outside. So she handled the the winters pretty well. Yep. Went great. Um, and then, yeah, we both love to camp and hike and backpack. And so Denver quickly became like, oh yeah, we love it here. We don't, we don't want to go anywhere else. I gotcha. And in your, and, and you found at that time jobs in, in place that you wanted to be, and that was all lining yep. up well. Yeah. So during our time as travelers, like when you are choosing the city you want to live in, you're not getting these ideal physical therapy jobs. You know, it's the jobs that they've have trouble to hire someone full time in. And so through that, we found home health, physical therapy. We'd worked in skilled nursing facilities, um, did a little bit of outpatient, but also then it started home health. And we both came to love home health because in home health, you make your own schedule. 
Um, you are one-on-one with a patient. It's typically an older person who's unable to get out to the physical therapy clinic. So they get the approval to have physical therapy come into their home. Okay. But it's great because it's super personal. You're in someone's home. You get to work on the things that are truly challenging them in their environment, as well as help to make changes to their environment to maximize their safety. And the whole goal, you know, of decreasing their risk of rehospitalization. Interesting. And so in the fact too, in home health, you could see six people a day and maybe you work in an outpatient clinic, you see 15 people or more a day. So it gave us the ability to see less patients, control our our schedule. We get a flexibility when we start, when we end. Um, And at that point, like that patient care was the thing that we both loved the most. Okay. That makes sense. So in, in what year did you move to Denver? 2015. Okay. Okay. And so it, it sounds like you're both enjoying the work that you do. Mm-hmm. Pays, yeah, decent to, yeah, yeah. to better than decent. I don't. No, not better than decent. I think like decent. yeah, full transparency. Like you're making like between seventy and eighty a year, or something like that. Okay. Um, okay. Physical therapy is a unique career too, where like there's a level of like skill that's like okay, then you get these high demand, high paying jobs, but that's probably like one percent of the field. I got Otherwise, you. so much of the field is based on the demand. So in home health therapy, it's less desirable. Like most people don't come out of PT school thinking I want to be a home health physical therapist. Okay. The demand's high. So there's, excuse me, a bit better pay there. And so it kind of paired well, like this is, was the clear cut. Like if I was going to do at that point, if I'm going to do physical therapy, this is the only type of physical therapy. That that makes sense. And so as you're doing this, you're, you're enjoying life, work, all of these things. And then at some point your initial gateway gateway drug into real estate yeah. was investing in, in real estate. Is yeah. that right? Yep. So we're a couple of years in, well, we'd bought a house just as a primary residence because like, okay, we're adults. You know, we, ch- yep. we picked a started, ch- started to check the boxes. Yeah, we got married. We moved just to one place. And the next thing is like, <laughs> all right, we're going to buy a home. So we buy a home. We're there for a while. And like, we love the, the fix it up and, you know, make it, you know, it's a, some light renovations, but renovated the house, made it our own. And then maybe two years into that, we both are kind of looking at like, okay, physical therapy is kind of running its course. We're kind of starting to get to that burnout phase of physical therapy. There's not a lot of upward growth in the career. It's a lot of, you can make lateral moves to different positions, but um, you know, there's not this career path to continue to go up. Um, And at the same time, we're like, what do we really want life to look like? And like, what's our perfect day? And so we start to think about, um, one become, we were really aligned on that goal. And that goal is like to have freedom of time to wake up every day and choose how we spend our day. Yeah. And like that inevitably, like money's not the goal, but money is absolutely a tool, a tool to get to there. It. You have to, you have to be in that position. You know, we didn't want to be like, Oh yeah, we're just fly by the seat of our pants, irresponsible. I had an amount of student loans. We want to be able to be in a secure position, but to live that life. And so started researching all kinds of things. So looked at, you know, a non opening, a non-medical home care company. So that's like where CNAs come into the home and, you know, help an older person with their daily tasks, whether that's okay. You know, house care, getting ready, doctor's appointments, whatever that may be. Um, went down that path for a little bit and like, you know what, this is just not aligning. This is just not feeling right. So it kind of backed out, didn't go forward with that. And a luxury of being in home health is that we are in our car between patients every day. And so we're both just crushing podcasts we're crushing audio books. We're sending things back and forth to each other, you know, through this come through bigger pockets. We read rich dad, poor dad and real estate really becomes the clear cut winner of like, okay, this is a tool 
that has so many advantages, especially for a middle earner to be able to, to leverage money, to put a small amount down on a larger asset and let that asset grow and appreciate. Um, there's cash flow. It's super tangible. Like um, there's always going to be a need for housing, especially somewhere in Denver. You know, it's an extremely popular area. And so real estate became the clear cut way. Like, okay, this is the tool that we're going to use to build the life that we want. Well, it's live. interesting to, to think that you're both highly educated, you know, your grad school graduate. I mean, so the idea that you're both researching and, and learning and figuring things out and communicating it, uh, through it together. Um, it's very interesting. Very interesting. Yeah. Come to find out too, learning about real estate is far cheaper than physical therapy school. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many great free resources out there yeah, that you it can, really is. You can get a master's in real estate, you know, and, and not With pay. the public library. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. So real estate starts coming to the forefront. Yep. And what's the, what's the first move there? House hack the basement. So it's basement level and we start renting it to uh, Duke PT students when they're out here on their clinical rotation. So it's, it was great. Like, you know, we, these kids there, we know, you know, who these people are, we have a tie to the university. And you hadn't, you hadn't bought your house with any thought of that. No, you just figured out how to use the bait. Yep. That's there was two step. bedrooms and a living room down there and we'd share the kitchen on the main floor, share the laundry. Okay. And, um, you know, they come there at that point, they were on like a three month rotation. So I was like, no matter what they're leaving in three months. And so it was a great kind of trial and like learn how to be a landlord and learn how to kind of work through those things. Okay. What was it like having the first renter that shift going and, <laughs> yeah. and living with someone? They were great. Um, and it, it was fun because there's so many things like if you go to Duke PT school, you're, you're all pretty similar. Um, and, and interest, if you're coming to Colorado, your interests are the same. So it's great. Like we put them on hiking trails, uh, you know, have dogs in the house. Like it was all kind of, we had lived in such transitional life too. That was like not so strange for us to have someone live in the basement. And we knew that that was a tool, um, that was going to really help us as well. And so it, you know, it, overall, like it was great. Heck yeah. So you're, you start there and then yep. what was the, what was kind of that first goal past that? So then at that point, it's like, we were super focused on our budget. We were super focused on picking up extra shifts. And we, so we were trying to, you know, tighten everything that we possibly could to be ready to purchase that next house. And we knew we'd purchase that house and hold on to the current one and keep that as our first long-term rental. Um, and so um, during that time we hustle, hustle, and then we pull HELOCs so that we have this, you know, available funds that we could use in the next purchase. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're, we're, we're reading all the real estate stuff. It's like the next house hack should be a small multifamily. So we're like, we're looking for a duplex. You know, there's 17 duplexes that are affordable in Denver. It's <laughs> like about it's right. just not it's about a, right. Yeah. They don't m- exist here. Small multifamily is not a, you know, there are some, but they're very hard to find. Yeah. So during that time, then COVID hits and, um, hard money gets locked up. We find this great property in Edgewater and we're like, Oh, this is such a killer location. It's not a duplex. It's, it's a small home, but it's in the, the location that like, we know this is a gold mine for future, you know, growth. Yeah. And so we pivoted from buying that to buying this, you know, 110 year old small house in Edgewater, Heck yeah. another super fixer upper. Um, we go in, fix that up, do a lot of that ourselves. hire out some, but a lot of that we do ourselves uh, run into problems. It was an old basement and we knew it was flooding before. So we were able to bring that into negotiation, get that fixed. 
uh, it's then had to be fixed a couple more times, but like, that's okay. why with the cash flow is there to build the reserve so that the property pays for it. And it's not like we're having to come out of our personal accounts each time we've had to go back and kind of address that issue. Right. Where is it in Edgewater? Uh, it's just right by Edgewater beer garden. So like okay. Fenton and 24th. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. I got a, a townhome myself on 17th and Eaton. So oh yeah. I, You're I right miss, there. I miss that neighborhood. Yeah. We loved living there and it was such a good period of time to like live in that house. So you bought that in 2020? That was in 2020. Yeah. Okay. So now you have two properties. You, you have the vision of, of real estate. When do you actually start to get the itch that this is more than a, a buying property move? That, yeah. That same year. And so, um, we'd worked with, um, Jameson Capelli, who became, used our agent on the first two deals and became a really good friend. So I spent a lot okay. of time with him. So I had this opportunity to kind of pick his brain about, you know, what is, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about real estate all the time. I'm talking about real estate all the time. This is becoming what I'm really becoming passionate about. Like, okay, where can, where, what kind of parallel careers can I have that are going to be able to give me the opportunity to leverage what I'm now passionate about and what now really aligns with my goals. Um, and real estate agency became kind of the clear path for it. Um, so end of 2020, I got my license, um, December, January of 2021, right around there. Uh, and at that time it was like, okay, really grateful again, being in home health, I have a flexible schedule. I went down in my hours and it allowed me to go ahead and like, I'm going to do real estate, but I still have this safety net of physical therapy as well. Absolutely. Um, and I'm sorry, I forgot to ask, what's your wife's name? Her name is Sean. Sean. And so what are the conversations with the two of you as you're making this pivot? It sounds like a, a gradual, as, mm-hmm. as is normal in our industry, this gradual pivot. How are the conversations between the two of you going as, as much planning as the two of you are doing? Yeah, she was fantastic. She took she's she took on a higher paying but a higher demanding job and she hustled like she worked so hard during that period of time to be like okay we know our baseline is safe and to give it you know through the ability for me to go ahead and and start this you know dive into something new heck yeah knowing you have a a one-year-old you're there's there's going to come a time here it sounds like pretty close after you get your license that were, were you planning on starting a family or was this more of a <laughs> surprise? No, no, we had held off on it for so long. Like we were just like on the fence, like, do we want to have children? Do we not want to have children back and forth? And like, we okay. really hadn't made that decision. And so at that time it was like, not yet. Like we're kind of like yeah, not, okay, hustle not mode. We're living in 700 square foot of a home while we renovate the basement and there's stuff. And sometimes the living room is full of stuff. And so during that period of time, it was like, this is not, the place to okay. bring a, a we're child just, into. We are working right now. We are working now. Yep. Okay. Talk me through the first few months as you, you, you're licensed, you're you know trying to get your feet wet, knowing that this is an industry where it usually takes people a couple years, few years before they really feel like they know what the heck they're, they're doing day by day. What do those first few months look like? Uh, first few months is like... Um, and this is how I built my business is, is sphere. And so I'm already talking about real estate all the time. And so I'm just now increasing my um, consistency of talking to people that I know about real estate. 
And um, just so happens, you know, like we sent out a Christmas card with a letter that year and say David's transitioning and starting a career in real estate. And as I'm like gathering addresses for that, just so happens like, hey, do you know anybody? We're looking to buy a house. I'm like, actually, yeah. Yeah, I do. And so I was able to start off with someone that they knew me, they trusted me, and I was able to, you know, kind of hit the ground running with that. Um, Heck yeah, because they already know your character. They know, exactly. And there's so many parallels, I think, from being a physical therapist that have carried over to help me be successful as a real estate agent. It's like, you're, you're you got to meet with people. You got to understand how people are communicating and communicate with them in the way that um, they're going to receive information. Um, you got to listen, you got to help identify a goal and you got to help create a plan to achieve that goal. And then you got to deal with the bumps and the difficulties and the challenges That's along fair. the way. And every now and again, you got to twist that arm back a little bit, you know, behind their back. I'm kidding. Yeah. Yeah, yes, no. <laughs> I like it. So as, as you're having these conversations and obviously it's a, it's a clear, you're excited about real estate in general. At what point do you start I don't want to say dreading because it probably wasn't dreading, but at what point are you driving to appointments for you know, PT and, and going oh, <sighs> 2020, like even before okay. the license, like I'm starting to it's get already the burnout started. is getting, is getting real. Okay. Um, you know, I, I'm working for a company and I'm trying to be involved in leadership to help in, enact change and help try to make it a better place. And I just feel it continue to fall on deaf ears. And so at that point, I'm like, I pull all the way out of that. And I'm like, I'm just going to treat my patients and the rest of it. I'm going to figure out a way out, essentially. Okay. Um, okay. So you're, you're actively working on that. Yep. Okay. Did you recognize pretty quickly as you're, again, you, you have the passion, you have firsthand knowledge you're gaining experience. Uh, did you know pretty quickly? Okay. I've made, I've made the right call. I'm going to figure this out, but yeah, within that first year, like the first year went super well. Um, I was able to become rookie of the year at the Keller William downtown office. I was the fifth ranked rookie in the state of Colorado. I didn't, okay. I didn't know that part. It was, it was just like a hit good early success in representing buyers during a challenging time to represent buyers because it's ultra competitive um, but I had such great mentorship. Like Jameson was there for me to any time. I was like, Hey, I've got a question. I, you know, what do I do in this, this scenario? And just to have that one person to yeah. be able to bounce things off and, and someone to help guide me along the way, as well as at the office, we've got this foundational coaching program. So I uh, had a good background. I had someone that I knew could answer anything. He'd seen it all before, so he could help me in any of that. And so the first year really, really took off. It really went well. And so by the end of that year, I knew I was like, okay, again, like How, put yeah. the money aside. We know this. Sean's still working here, um, doing her thing. She'd been busting for several years at that point to get us to that point. And um, so the end of 2021, after my first year, I was able to leave physical therapy altogether. Um, we were able for her to take a step out of her position and she took actually my old job and worked at, you know, 30, 35 hours a week. Um, able to kind of bring that down. And, you know, we just kind of was, we really believed all along the way. It's like the, the goal is that ultimate day when we get to choose however we want to spend our time. I really like that, that visual, that thought process. Uh, and but we know along the way though, it's like, we want to, step-by-step step by that freedom. And, and it's not yeah, like we're going to bust it for 30 years and then we're going to be there because I know that horizon will continue to move and what that kind of looks like, you know, that ultimate yeah. goal. And so not just being focused on, I have to be ultimately there, but it was like, okay, the step was that I could not do physical therapy and she could do less physical therapy. And like, that was a huge improvement in our life and just kind of take it step-by-step step along the way. Heck yeah. 
And it sounds like the environment that you've been in from day one between Jameson, knowing a lot of the people here at, at the office uh, throughout my career, sounds like you kind of found, I, I think sometimes early in real estate careers, people kind of, some of the struggles come from not finding the right fit. And it sounds like you had that right fit from day one. Huge. Like, I don't think that that could be overstated, like that ability to to have the support um, and, and feel like uh, I had someone there to answer questions, help guide me and that you trust. Um, and you've worked with him firsthand on yeah, your own purchases. Exactly. That's pretty very. That's very cool. Very cool. Talk to me as, so as your business evolves, as you grow, talk to me about some of the, the, whether it's daily habits, weekly, talk to me about some of the things that you do to keep yourself moving in the direction you want to move in. Yeah, totally. Uh, you know, and that varies as far as like discipline to it. And then having a kid will throw a wrench in any daily Heck habits, yeah. you, as you know. Um, but it was big, like um, consistently exercising is something for me that is uh, meditative as well as endorphin and also just, it just helps keep me going right. And then from there, like business wise, it's just making sure like the closings come and the closings go, but making sure that I'm doing the, the weekly activity that I know are going to help yeah. continue to push the business forward. And like, to be honest, of course, sometimes that's easier and, and lighter than it is. And other times you're like, man, I have really been putting in the work for a while here. Like, um, yeah, where, where is it? <laughs> where is yeah. it? But, but just knowing, um, one, you know, consistently trying to take care of myself and then consistently, you know, and then I'll go through periods of time of, you know, gratitude journals or me- uh, meditation in the morning. And then, and then I had a kid and finding time for anything this on my own has become very difficult. <laughs> so, uh, let's, let's talk about that for a second. Let's dive into this. Not for a second. Let's dive into this. So one, how do you, how do you find, does, how does, how does Sean tell you that you're having a kiddo? Um, so yeah, we'd been, we'd, we'd, we were going to try for a bit and then like COVID happened. And then we we're like, Oh, we're not doing that because we had friends that had like had babies during COVID and like it just, the mom would be alone I and like, family couldn't be there. Or even sometimes there was like uh, the dad couldn't be in the room. Um, and so, um, yeah, we come back and we have, we were having a friend visit and it was like, um, she takes the test and she's like, Oh my God, I'm pregnant. And like, and at that point we were, we were at the point where like, okay, we're looking forward to this now. We're super excited for Heck this. Yeah. Um, and this is, so this would be what late, what I, I suck. I suck at math. You're year plus plus nine. So you're like kind 20, of early 22. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Spring 2022. Yeah. Okay. So you're excited because it, it it had been on the radar of you were you were open to, you yep. you two were ready at that point yep. to okay yep um so yeah excited but I'm also someone that's like I just kind of deal with things when they happen and I'm not a big pre planner where she's a big pre planner and really thinks through things in a far more sophisticated and thoughtful way than I ever do and so yeah varying levels of like I'm totally ready and I'm like I'll be ready when the time comes versus she's like are you I feel are this. you ready I feel this. <laughs> yeah yeah did you uh did you find out you were having a son ahead of time or uh, you, we, you got the surprise we went with the surprise okay um and things got kind of dicey at the end there um come to find out we're like a, a month from having the baby things have been going well maybe about six weeks before having the baby and all of a sudden his growth had dropped off and and sean wasn't doing as well and she had what's called a vasoprevia um and uh, which essentially 
in the end, the umbilical cord was between the baby and the cervical opening where the baby would come out and that had cut off his growth. And so it becomes this very scary thing. Like it could be an emergency or it could be that he could have one of a hundred skeletal deformities. Like they don't know. They just find this terrifying. Like, go to the hospital the next day. They're just going to evaluate you, which turns into, they admit you. She lived at the hospital for two weeks and then scheduled to have the baby come a month early. So she was in the hospital staying for two weeks before yeah. your son was born. Yep. I can't imagine the terrifying, terrifying. Yeah. yeah. Terrifying. Are you able to stay with her during those two weeks? Yeah. For the most part. And then her mom came out her mom was able to stay with her. So that allowed me then to like, now I've got to prep my business for, you know, clients to be handed off and things to be handled so that that way I could be there. Also, we hadn't built a crib yet. You know, we had <laughs> put the car seat together. I've done nothing. Like, All the things that we tell them, I, I promise I'll get it done. Yeah. I will get it done. Yep. And uh, I hadn't done any of that. And so her mom came that allowed me to work on the business part and get that ready as well as, um, get the house ready and, you know, be ready to bring a baby home. Okay. So he was born a month early. Yep. Month early, four pounds, nine ounces. We don't know, like, you know, one of the potentials was like one of a hundred skeletal deformities, but it could even be as, as significant as dwarfism and like any testing they would have done at that time. Like you're not going to get the results till after we have the baby, but if the baby comes out, he's you're just happy. in as limbo as limbo can possibly be. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was. It was intense as time went on in that two week in the hospital um, and further testing, like we came more and more confident, like, okay, the, the reason that the growth has dropped off is not necessarily unlikely. It's skeletal deformity. It's more likely that it's this issue with the, with the with cord, the cord. not getting the, the nutrients to the baby, but we stole that just, we really didn't know. Um, came out, he was healthy from the get go. He was four pounds, nine ounces. So he was tiny, uh, but he didn't have to spend any time in the NICU. Um, he was just okay. a little trooper from day one. Um, we were able to bring him home. Her family came out and able to help provide us support because, you know, it was just wild times. Oh, yeah. I bet. I bet. And I'd imagine trying to get in. Wife and I having a six-month-old ourselves, those first. It's funny how my wife mentioned the other night how, how long the first month or two feels and then how fast it starts to go after that. Totally. But I'd imagine the first month or two for you is there's just so many moving pieces. Yeah. And like, that was so grateful to have help, you know, have family help during that time. Um, because you know, one, he, he one, he like, and you know, this thing, they get six months, they start getting active and you got a lot more things to do in the first sure. month though. It's just a lot of just like nurturing this tiny little baby. And then, you know, having help to care for Sean, um, as she recovered as well. And, um, yeah, man, as looking back, that was some, it was, it was so great, so intense, so hard, but also wonderful. Like, yeah, every emotion you could have was like during that period right of time there. for sure. How has now a year into to fatherhood, year into living as parents, the the talks that the, the two of you have, the visions of the day you want, things like that, how has that evolved? Yeah, a, a lot of that evolved into um, – Trying to, again, like creating that life as soon as possible and knowing that there's incremental steps to do that. And so I focus on my real estate agency business as well as the rentals and continue to work to scale that portfolio. But along the way, you know, we sold a house um, 
instead of keeping it as a rental. And that allowed me to t- pay off a large chunk of my debt as well as. And I'm sorry, is reserves. that the one in Edgewater? No, we had bought another house after Edgewater in West Colfax. And um, like a brand new build townhouse, um, house hacked. It had a basement Airbnb unit. So again, we're offsetting our mortgage costs. We're taking care of you know most of our most expensive costs, um, and then allowing us to continue to save um, for one having the baby, and then again still building towards that life. Um, but we sold that house and we put money aside to be able for Sean to step away. You know, we're like working real estate. That's a hundred percent commission based business. And so knowing that there's ebbs and flows, but now we have, you know, build this safety net so yeah. that she can step away because it's so important to be able to, you know, like for us, like what's more important than, than being there and raising your child. And, I can. um, so creating that time and, you know, for the first, um, she was home with the baby for a while and then went back to work for like five or six months. And then, we just realized we had a nanny care um, and we were ships crossing, just passing in the night. And, you know, it was like handing a baby, she'd go work, handing the baby back, I'd go work. And it was like, we thought back to those times when, before she went back to work and it was like, I would work. And then when I wasn't working, we would go on a family walk together and we'd sit down and have lunch together during the middle of the day. And I could start my day later and we could sit and have breakfast and play with the baby. And, and then, you know, we just kept going back to like, man, those were some really wonderful times. And yeah, it's not, it's not the, it's not, Oh, this is the day. Like still work a lot and I work hard, but I also have that flexibility and that freedom. And it just pairs with her already having that built in where we can be a family of three, like on the random times during any day of the week. And, um, so that, that was important for us to get back to. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. As you look at your, business and and what you're hoping to grow and what you are growing. Knowing, investing, house hacking, a lot of the experiences that you already have firsthand. Talk to me about how that has uh, kind of evolved into how you operate your business and how you help people. Yeah, absolutely. I think one thing that's helpful is like when I walk a house with a client, it's a buyer client, it's like, I'm going to look at the important things that I would consider as an investor. Like I'm going to go check the, what are the age of the windows? What's the roof condition? What's the foundation condition? Um, and, and then be able to talk through people like, you know, I work with a handful of, from investing clients to people who are, they just want to buy a home for themselves. But you know, it always leads to that question too. If they're going to sell, I'm like, have you considered renting? Like if you can hold on to this and purchase that next home, like even just one home is like an entire other 401k to your retirement program. It's not going to get you cash flow rich in day one. Um, but now you've got this appreciating asset in a place like Denver or, you know, Denver surrounding areas. That's there. The secret's out, right? The, the market is diverse. The weather is great. The economy is strong. Um, I think it's such a great place to continue to own real estate for a long period of time. And so that's always my advice to people is like, if you can just hold on to one, if nothing else, your retirement is far more robust than it would be I if you just it. continued to work a job. So mad at my parents. No. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, we should have been buying houses in 08. <laughs> I love it. Talk to me about something, and obviously you have a lot to be excited by, but talk to me about something that has you jazzed, something that's got you pumped up. Yeah, man. Like one uh, is why it gets older. It's just so much more interactive. And so like walking and I'm just so excited to like share experiences with him that I loved as a kid and and to be his dad and like and live in Colorado and do all these cool things in Colorado life. Um, So I'm so excited as he continues to grow up and, um, you know, just like just being outside now and he's walking now and it's like, oh, you just see where so much they just change so much and they become who they're going to be so much. And it's so cool to just like 
it's unbelievable. We just sometimes look at each other and laugh like, this is our kid. Yeah. <laughs> like, we, we created this. Oh, this yeah. is our kid. Um, and Does he give you, and I don't, at one years old, are, are you getting some of your or Sean's like attitude? Back? <laughs> are you getting, like, do you oh, yeah. see the personality parts? Oh, yeah. He's looked, he looks like her. Like okay. from day one all the way through, he looks just like her. But he's he's so extroverted, like myself. Like, get him out in a group, and he just wants to go say hi to every other kid. He loves seeing oh, people. Yeah. He loves being in a, an environment where there's a lot going on. And that's like, oh, that's my oh, yeah. <laughs> that's my personality for sure. Heck yeah, uh, I'm gonna. This is a random. I'm gonna ask a selfish question because sure. I, I need to pick your brain. Uh, being in in our line of work. Where do you tend to bring Wyatt along and where do you tend to not when it comes to work? Yeah, great question. Um, he'll come into the office as he gets older. Now he's mobile. And so it's like he's not as content in a, like chilling in a, in a car seat. But he'd come to a, he can come to a lunch, you know, maybe um, I've had him uh, come to a, come to a closing, um, yeah. you know, some, some things like that. So he's, he gets out there with me, but you know, otherwise it's like, if I need to be fully client facing, like when That's he was fair. small, it was easier, but now it's like he needs as much attention. And so like, I don't feel right dividing my attention between the client no, and, I the, get that. and the kid, but he also is always brings the cute factor and people love to see, that's, the see that's the, you know, it's the, that's the toss up. Yeah. Um, and I, and certainly this will evolve, but talk to me about how being a father and being a parent has impacted how you, I don't know, how, how you deal with situations. Has it, has it helped when a stress management scenario or just kind of how you, oh, yeah, good question. Day. Um, yeah, I think it, and it varies. Like, you know, to be honest, like when I better times or not, but it's like just realizing at the end of the day, he doesn't care what happened to my business that day. Like he wants my attention. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, that is a challenge. Like, you know, this, like our business is our phones and our phones can just, things can come through at any moment. And, you know, like being able to separate the two is like, that's definitely a continued work in progress to get to that, where that needs to be, where it's like, can dedicate to my clients what they need, but also dedicate to my family what they need. Um, so really work to create, you know, there's 30 minutes every day that it's the three of us to be able to hang out. And like, that's on my every week. I want that to be seven days a week of that. Um, but from a stress management standpoint, yeah, it's just to try to remember like David today is a, a previous day would have dreamed of this life and, and really trying to remember that, you know, there's yeah. days that I don't, it's tough. Yeah. And, and getting in that mindset is uh, second. You said that, that, yeah. you know, I resonate with that. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, as you kind of working through this year and, and I, I, I do find it interesting. I, I always enjoyed talking to people who entered the industry. Oh, seven, Oh eight, Oh nine. And not to compare, 22 and 23 to, mm. to 07, 08, but kind of going through that experience, you have navigated through one of the toughest real estate markets in, you know, 15 years. Yeah. I feel like I've seen like so many markets in such a short period of time from super buyer frenzy. And I was, you know, I free I'm, money, free money. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, every property was multiple offer. And because I think I'd, I was always talking about buying and holding real estate and using it as an investment strategy. Um, so I represented a lot of buyers in that time. So I feel like, man, I cut my teeth 
Like I really know like, Hey, these are the levers that we can pull. This is my job is to get you as much information as possible. So you can make the best decision for yourself and how you want to structure an offer to that. But here's all the levers that we can pull to help your offer stand out and, um, and helping people navigate that roller coaster of emotions where it's like, you know what, you, you, you may love this house. You may make a really strong offer and you may not get accepted. And so just helping to, um, help people manage the emotions, celebrate the joys. Don't let the lows get you too low, you know, keep pushing the, the thing forward and knowing that it, it does work out and you're going to get your place. And so like starting my career that way was great. And then going into when it was, as things started to slow down, um, over like last year, I was grateful and starting to, you know, and then I'm starting to pick up more listings and then now listings are a little, there wasn't as just like throw anything on the right. market and it sold right. in a second. And so, um, I feel like just in a short period of time, I've been able to see so many different things and I think like help to progress me as an agent to best serve my clients in a really quick way. I believe it. Any thoughts to, uh, being a mentor yourself in, in the future? Yeah. I've got a couple of agents that I mentor now. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. yeah. And a couple of people that were former physical therapists. So it pairs well, um, with that. And yeah, I, I like that. And the goal will be, you know, with, as an agent, you work, you know, you, you don't have a boss, but you have every client as your boss. And so, yeah, you, true uh, statement. Yeah. So you feel like, you know, like, Oh, I'm, I'm free, but in a minute's notice, you could have something that you need to schedule any day of the week, anytime. Cause you, you know, you really care about serving your clients. So, uh, continue to grow and, you know, go from being a solo agent and to start to build something that's a business so that I can start to build myself out of some of those day-to-day activities. Um, so yeah, mentoring and bringing other people along the way, super important to me because I also realize how much help that one person can provide in this industry. And I always want to be there to be able to help people with that. Fact, fact. A couple questions to wrap up. The first is, what is something about you that you, that you really hope your, your clients, your friends, your colleagues know? Uh, the, that I care like, and I think for me, it's like so many times I think agents get a, a bad rap. Um, but it's like, I, I want to be an advisor and if it's not good for you, then it's not good. Um, I had a client just asked me yesterday, like, do you ever tell anybody like, this is a shitty house. Don't buy this. I'm like, Sometimes, you know, yeah. but, you know, it's, but I, I just want to give you every bit of information and I'll always work hard to make sure that you get everything that you need to know in order to make the best decision for yourself. Um, and I'll advise you along the way. And it's not just in it for the transaction, but I'm in for the life. So, Hey, we'll, we'll review your portfolio and Hey, what's that next step to continue to grow, to help you build wealth in real estate and realize the success that real estate can provide, like it, that's provided to my family, but also that I know it's provided to so many other people. And so I want to help people to and not just today and just be transactional, but help to really grow um, and let real estate be the tool that gives them the life that they want to have. Heck yeah. And we need it right now in this market. We need it. The last, uh, and I love, I love asking this of parents. You mentioned your son showing a little bit of the extrovertedness that you, that you have. Um, certainly he'll take on certain qualities, traits that you have. If you could magically guarantee that your son took on one of your traits or one of your qualities, what would that be? Oh, gosh. Yeah, now you'd make, try to talk good about myself. Uh, um, yeah. yeah, I think uh, to always put people first to, to like, I think so many things in today's world can relate back to selfishness and, and people not thinking about other, not thinking about others. And so um, I think so many careers that I've chose has been in a way to try to provide value to other people. And so if, if he just realizes that, and I think so much of it is just like by watching how 
his mom and I act and how we treat other people and how we treat each other. Um, I think if he could pick that up and have that empathy and that ability to um, realize what maybe someone else is going through, like they may say something, but maybe there's a deeper thing to that and being able to um, communicate with people at the level and how they communicate is I think something that helps really get you along in life. Heck yeah. I appreciate you very much, Dave. Thanks for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. Oh, yes. That's Dave Williams, Homes with Dave, here at Keller Williams in Denver. His uh, contact, excuse me if I can use my mouth, his contact will be in the details. This is Mindset Matters. I'm your host, Jimmy Everts. Until I hear you next time, peace.